Hey, Carm Capriato here with episode 434. Now, I know you appreciate when I get to converse with automotive instructors and technicians so we can learn from their insights about daytime training, ASE certification, automotive schools, and student education. Now, if you're an aftermarket professional, this is the stuff you need to hear. Now, here's a taste. Even with students, when we've had night classes in the past, we found that the day students typically do better. Yeah, they do. I'll, I'll have to agree with that. My daytime students have an easier time passing tests. Welcome, aftermarketers, to Remarkable Results Radio. Listen to learn just one thing from today's episode on your journey to remarkable results. Hey, Carm here, and Remarkable Results Radio is proud to partner with Apex. Now, even in this technology-driven world, nothing beats the face-to-face meetings I've had at Apex. You will value what you learn at Apex, guaranteed. Now, plan now to attend November 5th through the 7th at the Sands Expo in Las Vegas. Now, if you earn your living in the aftermarket, Apex is for you. Biggest of its kind. For information, visit aapexshow.com. Registration is open. I'll see you there. Hey, remember why you're engaged with the Aftermarket's premier podcast? And with all the noise in your life, RRR grounds you in the context of the aftermarket. You are almost guaranteed to learn just one thing. Learning supports your purpose and brings influence to the people you touch. Now, that's a heavy thought for sure, but that's why you hang in here with me and the guests each week. Hey, I recorded this session at AVI in the spring of 2019 with a panel. That includes Marty Dupowski, an automotive instructor at Wayne County Community College in Michigan. David Myers is an automotive instructor at Southwestern Community College in North Carolina. And also with me is Dwayne McCarty, a technician at Martin's Garage in Fort Myers, Florida. We discussed in this episode the whys and the hows of training. Let it inspire you to make a leap to be a forever student. Now, by guiding an individual you know from point A to point B and forward, it should impact his earnings because... He learned more. Open your mind and get into these conversations worth hearing. Carm here at the AVI training seminar here in the uh, in the spring out here in Fort Myers in, um, in in Florida. I'm with Marty Dapowski, automotive instructor at Wayne County Community College uh, in uh, Taylor, Michigan. Hey, Marty, how you doing? Good. Nice to have you here. And David Myers, automotive instructor at Southwestern Community College in Silva, North Carolina. Yes, good to be here. Hey, thanks, David. And Dwayne McCarty, technician, Martin's Garage in Fort Myers. Yes, it's great to be here. Hey, man, thank you. So we were, I was talking with Paul and, uh, and John, John Furrow, and we said, wouldn't it be cool if we got together with some of the members that have gone through the training here today? Now, I know if they, did they stop the class in order for us to do this? What's going on? No, the no. class. No, I think over. the class was over. Right. Class is over. Yeah. Great. You sat in. Was it a hybrid class? Yeah, today it was. Yes. Today, yes. yes, hybrid today, and we had AC yesterday. Uh, you and, to, and start stop. Start yes. stop from Bob, Pat, and Gail. Yeah. Yes, you you did air Same conditioning yeah. from from Ryan. Yes. Ryan Coyman. Yeah. Did you learn anything? Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely picked up some tips here and there for sure. As an instructor, what's it going to help you do? It's going to help pass the information along to the students so that we're training them correctly. We do a basic hybrids course, so we're trying to pass this along to the new technicians out there. Learn anything new? A couple things. Like what? 
just the the difference in some of the battery technology and how they the charging's affecting battery life is one of the big things. The instructors at your schools, and, and both of you are, are here, uh, instructors, where are you guys going to get training? Places like this. Okay. We have this, and there's some local offerings in my area. The uh, local, I'm, I'm from the Detroit area, so there's quite a few offerings up there. There's a lot. And, and so is it the supplier, manufacturer seminars that you're getting invited to? Uh, yeah. And, and are they just reaching out to the school and says, hey, no charge, just get in here and take the class? Well, they have it set up as a trade show where the vendors, tool vendors okay. and software vendors will um, pony up for a show twice a year. Okay. How many instructors at the college, Marty, are going to these seminars? Probably two of us. Out of how many? Out of four. Okay. Well, so 50%. Yeah. That's right. cool. Same with you, uh, David? Yes. We're traveling, though, to go to most of our training. I mean, we're typically two hours from the closest towns that have any kind of events and everything else we're doing as online training now there's the code breaker right there and how are you getting that i mean are you having to pay for it yourself is the college paying for it the college typically pays for parts of it and then some of it we've got sponsored through local auto parts houses and um, some of the vendors at times will send us codes for free information as long as we're registered with them as a um, instructional institute High fives to you guys for staying as current as you can be. You got paid to be off of school today? Yes. And I got paid to fly here, too. So That's great. That's a huge commitment. It's. Uh, I mean, they see it at the school, the need, because we have constant phone calls, even in rural areas, that we're in for technicians. Oh, I get it, because they, they, want, they need to fill jobs. They need to fill the jobs. Got it. Dwayne... You're a technician here at Martin's Garage. Correct. And uh, did you get paid to come here and paid for the training? No. I came on my own. Um, Paul helped me with the training. Okay. Known Paul for years. Right. He's done a lot of different conferences around the state of Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have parts houses that offer us training, a couple of the different ones locally. So that's not a long distance travel, but usually it's after you hours. Got it. It's usually after hours. Um, you, you just brought up a, a wonderful uh, thought of mine, and, and I know my audience knows exactly where I'm heading with this. Daytime or nighttime training? Nighttime. You want nighttime? It seems to work. Uh, what, if, what if you had a chance to go to daytime training and get paid for, for your time away and for the class? Would you go? Oh, yeah. Because? I feel that all the technicians that are working on cars need the training to stay up to date. Otherwise, the technology of the cars are going to pass them up. Absolutely the right answer. But during the day, guys, don't you think you'd learn a little bit more than maybe at night? Depends on your commitment. Ah, very good. I've done both. Being in the dealership world for a while. We had daytime training at the dealer level. They send you to, you're there, you're paid, you go to the motel, then you're at their training facilities during the daytime. Then they're done that. Then you get back to the dealership and other new technology stuff comes on. Then they want you to stay at night to watch that stuff. And it's just hard to, after work a full day, stay there then another four hours at night. So I think the daytime training is much better and seems like you're more alert. You learn more. Even with students, when we've had night classes in the past, we found that the day students typically do better. Yeah, they do. I'll, I'll have to agree with that. My daytime students have an easier time passing tests. That's a great pointer. The students are having a better time passing tests. Yeah, they tests. are. 
because they're more alert. Mm-hmm. Yep, exactly. So when you go to the nighttime class, yes, Dwayne, uh, <laughs> you're you're walking in with probably something to eat to start with. Yes, and they usually have food. Yeah, and and you know what happens when you eat food? You want to sleep? <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> not if you've got a good instructor that keeps it lively. See, yeah. And depends how much you eat, too. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's a great answer. I loved your commitment answer before. We talked about it. We, we've, this is, I think, our fourth podcast here at AVI. And uh, we, we started to talk about commitment and how critical it was for the technicians today to have that personal commitment. We, we believe that the shop owner has to be right there next to that technician with the commitment to pay for training, to find the right training. It is the technician that has to have that commitment. Yeah, the technician has to have the drive to want to be further educated so they can better work on a car. And in the long run, it helps them because you can make it up in the time that you save working on the car, which is what you're getting paid by. And he's going to make more money. Of course. Yeah. And I found out when I was working at the dealership, and I did 20, out, 20 years at a import dealership in the Detroit area of all places, and I found out the more I learned, the more money I made. That's the big takeaway right here from this episode. And, the, the more you learned, the more money you made. Oh, of course. Without a doubt. And most sh- dealerships, the more ASCs you have, the better they will pay you. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, if you move up, it's typically a pay grade change every time you gain an ASE or you have more additional training going into that place to work. We found even with students taking student ASEs, they will start them at a higher pay than somebody off the street. Yeah. Is the objective at the schools you teach at to, to, to have a certain number of ASE certifications before they leave? Well, our objective is for them to um, complete this ASE student certification in each area that they complete. The same okay. with us. Okay. When, uh, when I went to Votech, they encouraged us to take A1 through A8. Mm-hmm. You had to be a tech for two years before you were officially considered an ASE certified tech. Right? I understand. Yeah. I, that's when I got into the business. I had the two-year waiting period, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got to have so many, so many years of doing the and, job. And then yeah. the next thing past that is doing like your L1 for drivability or L2 if you want to be a diesel tech, those will definitely open your eyes taking those tests. They're not easy. It'll make a better tech out of you because sometimes you end up taking them more than once. <laughs> and depending on yeah. who's paying, depends on how well you study for sure, it. Sure, sure. Does your shop pay? No. Okay. This guy's totally in. He's paying for his own training. He's paying for his own yes. ASEs. And that that's a trend that I think is starting to reverse. Some of some shop owners are saying, "Listen, uh, you get your ASC, I'll, I'll pay you a bonus per hour if you get it." Yeah, we've have a lot of local shops now that are paying their guys to go take it, along with paying them time yeah. to go take the ASCs yeah. now. Yeah. In the past, two or three years ago, even they were on their own. Why do yeah. you think that's happening? They need techs. They yeah. need certified techs, and if they commit to this tech. And they see that they the owners put money in that person. The owner sees that you know that's going to be a valuable asset if I can keep them. And if the the technician sees that, they say, "Oh yeah, they want to train me and keep me, and they're going to pay me more." So yeah. they're they're willing to stay. And the the key part of that that he said was if they can keep them. 
and that's why some of them don't pay because they don't feel that the tech will stay loyal to them once he gets an education somewhere will try and hire him away from them that's always the question that comes up oh yeah always all all the time and it is it is getting to be one of the most ugly excuses to not train because you know the answer to that question is you know so you don't train him and he stays how much better is your business exactly it's not it's not it's suffering it it is it's suffering you've got to do the training You've got to get the updates. Yes. There's no good excuse not to train. When, when, when the students leave, are they geared up to want to continue to be a forever student? Some. Uh, it depends on them. It's, I draw from a diverse student pool. Some are really into it, some not so much, and that's kind of what we get at a community college. So I guess my point is, is that when they come on in freshmen, how many make it to senior? Oh gosh, fifty fifty percent. Yeah, yeah. probably okay. not yeah. more than fifty percent. Yeah, and and from years gone by, when we were all tinkering with stuff, and we came in knowing some basic commonsensical, you know, automotive. Today, a lot of the kids are coming in with no knowledge at all. There is some. Yes. Yeah, yeah. There, yeah. Are, there's, there's some that they're like, wow, this is new to me. You don't know where to. They don't know where to start. And okay. They don't know which way to turn a ratchet. Uh, I see. And, and, and that disenfranchises them when that basic stuff can't be accomplished? Well, it all depends how much they want to learn. Uh-huh. Um, if they decide they want to learn and they decide this is something they like, they generally run with it. It all goes back to commitment. Yeah. And you see, you can. I've seen students that don't make it two weeks. They see this is going to be over their potential they think they can do. And they walk. In the podcast opening, I mentioned Apex. Now, let's quickly clarify. You know, Apex is not the same as the SEMA show, and I think you know that. Although both are held in the same week in Las Vegas, you know, at the SEMA show, you'll see cool specialty products. And I get it. I've been there. Wow. Tons of fun. But if your livelihood is keeping your customers' vehicles on the road, and that's how you earn your living, then you have to attend Apex, because Apex is the business side of the aftermarket. Now, Apex is where you can see, feel, touch, and talk the business of the aftermarket. Everything you need is under one roof, including new tools and equipment, advanced training, hands-on demos, and one-on-one meetings with your suppliers and manufacturers, needless to mention the networking you have with your peers. And with your Apex badge, you can also visit the SEMA show. One badge does it all. So plan now to attend Apex, Tuesday, November 5th through Thursday, November 7th at the Sands Expo in Las Vegas. Hey, to learn all about Apex and plan your visit to Industry Week, visit aapexshow.com. What got him to come in to start with? What do you think? Honestly, you have a lot of, your mom and dad told you you have to go to school. For something. For something, yeah. Yeah. And you have that a lot still today. Well, what I've seen, I've seen a lot of students, um, they come into the program and they don't like to listen to the lecture. They expect they're going to go in and work. You know, sometimes mistakes are made by instructional staff. They spend way too much time telling them how to fix cars without actually doing it and in order for us to retain students you know part of our job is being entertainers also if, if you're a teacher you have to keep them occupied you have to keep them engaged you have to make sure they want to stay doing this oh so, i agree you have to really get them involved and get them involved in projects all the time 
Yeah, you have to line stuff up. You have you just have to keep them involved, or you'll lose them quickly. How many are passing labs? More pass the labs than we'll pass the yeah, class. Right. The theory. Yeah. But the hands-on is important because it occupies their mind with the coordination with their hands. Yep, I agree. You are wise beyond your years. <laughs> Most, if not all, of our students are visual learners. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they can't sit there and look at stuff out of the book. For example, they see the four-stroke cycle in the book. That means nothing to them. Mm-mm. But if they see it on an engine taken apart in the lab, they can figure it out. Do you guys have AOS or AAS degrees? AAS. AAS. So what's the challenge for the English um, science and math part? For the dedicated student, they get through it. They will do it. I mean, if they're dedicated, they want to get their degree. They want to be this. This is their career. They like cars. They want to get out there. They will do it. We're an open-door institution, so anybody can come in, and they take a test, and they get placed, and then they have levels of the other classes, of the gen ed classes. They have remedial levels for some of our students that need it too. So we're well equipped for them. And we have the same thing in North Carolina. So, I mean, they have placement tests. They come in from high school. And if they do well in high school, a lot of them come in and they go straight into the college English at the level they only need one or two classes to pick up. It doesn't hold them back. It doesn't hold them back. It says, listen, I'm loving this automotive, but I don't want to go to English. Well, our is that is that a reason for some of the dropouts yes. in the first year? Yeah, yes. they don't like the gen ed classes, but you know, I can speak for my program. They're only required two English classes. Okay. Yeah, we have some of them that that's why they drop the degree and go back to certificate only. Got it, Dwayne. Take us to your shop. Do you have any uh, young college grads working in there? No. Okay. No, we we have a, a tech that's. Was hired as an alignment tech, but he does a lot of other duties other than that. All right. And then they have some tire techs and oil changers in the front. And the boss has his son working there. Okay. But he's not really an automotive tech, I would say. Are you uh, responsible as a mentor to him to make him an automotive tech? No, we're all pretty much independent. Okay. So are you the senior most member? Yes. Okay. Well, other than the owner. Other than the owner. Yeah. And let me ask you a really tough question. Do you have a you have a plan to retire ever someday? When I get tired of working on cars. Okay. But I've worked on them since I was uh, probably 16. I'm 62 in June. God. It looks pretty good for 62, huh? And uh, <laughs> I've worked on anything from a 1940s car to current. Wow. Uh, so you're co- you have the commitment. You paid your way here. You went to some phenomenal training. Uh, what are you taking home with you? The AC class had a lot of good information in it, even though I've been doing AC for quite a few years. So what was the aha moment there? Just some of the different ways of doing what we're already doing, mm-hmm. just doing it better to make the jobs last on the customer's car. Okay. So it's less expense for the customer. More efficient for you too? More efficient for us. Yeah, yeah. Less, um, less comebacks yeah. is the big thing. Yeah. I mean, exactly. Isn't that amazing? You don't get paid for comebacks. Always. If, if, if shops are tracking comebacks and they, they, they spread it out and they, they find the area of concern, it, they're, they're, they're going to figure what their training schedule is for the next year, aren't they? Oh, yeah. If they would do that, yes. Hmm. If you go into a dealership, they track it. They do constantly, yeah, yeah. And, and and top shops are are doing that because yep. because they they really have that uh, commitment. Stop start. You went to stop start with Bob Pat and Gail. What'd you take away from that? 
Um, I've dealt with the stop start. There's a lot of good technology there with a lot of good training, especially with Bob. He's, he's a great trainer. Yeah. Usually he's uh, right on the money with everything that he's telling you. And I've never been to one of his classes where he gave me any misinformation. And it's just always top of the line stuff from him. And the hybrid class. The hybrid class was a little bit of a review for me, but I don't work much on hybrids. But there's a lot of good information there for people that do work on hybrids. Uh, We had the green bullets at the end of the class, which was very good. That's stuff you're not going to get just anywhere. You you mean in place of silver bullets, they're green bullets? Yes. Yeah, very good. By John Foro. We had John here in the uh, in the noon uh, Town Hall Academy that we did live. Great show. Guys, um, if you had a chance to tell anyone in the industry, you know, uh, anything about your career and your commitment and training as, as instructors and then, of course, as a technician, what would you want to tell them? Is this a, a worth worthy career to be in? This industry has been very good to me personally. Um, I wrenched for 20 years. Then I was at the Ford Hotline for a while. Then I got into education. How did you move into education? That's that's so interesting. And I started teaching high school. Ah. College is much easier. Explain that one. Half of the job as a high school auto shop teacher is keeping them safe. And the co- other half is teaching them about cars. And college doesn't? Well, you don't have to worry so much about it because the high school kids are looking for trouble. That's what they're there for. Aha. Uh-huh. Maturity. Yes. Level. Yeah. And it's everything about that. And it changes drastically from secondary to post-secondary. Great, great point. I just learned something new. We have kind of a similar thing, except for we have dual enrollment. We have high school students that come into the college program and come into our classes from the local high school. Right. Those students that typically come, you'll have one or two that's hunting a place to get away from high school. Mm-hmm. but you'll have a handful of them. They're wanting to get started in a career to make money, and they're very committed. And I've had some of my high school be classes be some of the best that we've had during the semester. Do any of your students come up to you and say, this is like way beyond something I ever thought about, the high tech, the computer code, the sensors? Are they, are they imp- All the time. And, and are they impressed and they want to be in it and stay in yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. Constantly. The, the technology now... Because students have grown up on the iPads and with the phones in their hand, if you show them the scan tools and everything that's involved that they're going to be looking at, they get interested really quick in it. Do you have enough money in your capital budget to stay ahead with uh, tools and technology? Oh, yeah. We've done really well. I mean, with grants and stuff, along with the budget, normal budget, we've done well. Okay. Yeah, so have we. A message to the independent shops out there to get involved with your advisory boards. Do you got anything to say to them? Really, they need to get in, they need to get involved because we just finished an accreditation process with mm-hmm. NATF. There's a lot of times you can't get the guys to come in from these other shops around town, but then you have the guys in the shops that are committed, and they're the ones that send their their guys for training. They're the ones that's getting ASCs. They're the ones that they see why when they come to the school. And they see what's involved with the technology updates because a lot of times some of the shops there locally, we've got more technology at the school by far compared to what they have in the industry. If you can get them in there to see this. That's interesting, David. Are you in a really small town? Yeah. Okay. That's the difference. It's a small town, rural area. So um, a lot of small shops. 
we they may not even have a scan tool. They may have a code reader. That's all they're using. See, we don't have real big problem getting people to attend the advisory meetings because you know we have literally have the auto industry in our backyard mm-hmm. and not only do i get representatives from independent shops we have a lot of vehicle development in southeastern michigan so i bet you oh that, so that's that, a hot that, 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 that's yeah, he's in a that's, good place up yeah there. <laughs> that's also another avenue for tax for their career wow i did training for otc on their scan tools oh you were you were a trainer I was the trainer for Great. them, yes, yeah. in Florida only. All right. I visited a Votech on the other coast of Florida, and they had an automotive department in there, and they were doing auto repair with the technicians that were in the class. So they were profiting from the auto repair to put that money back into their automotive curriculum. Oh, Interesting. So the school was having a charge for training? Yes. Oh, that's great. I've never heard of that. They were working on customer cars, people at the school's cars, and I thought it was a very good project that they had there because they had a pretty good-sized shop. Mm-hmm. And the instructor, I'm sure he was very busy with all that he had to do to keep the students learning on what all they were doing with them being at somewhat different levels of knowledge because you find that in this line of work that they all have different abilities. Yeah, I agree with that. You'll have 15 students. You may have three that can excel at anything you put them on, no matter what it is. And then you'll have the next four or five students after that that you could put them on a lot of projects with some stuff they could never touch. And then you've got a handful of them that are kind of watching and they're they're still thinking about this industry, I think. Sometimes it's a juggling act, keeping all of your students involved, actively involved in something. And as an instructor, you have to make sure that they don't get into trouble with what they're doing because some of them have more ability than others. You don't want them to go down the wrong rabbit hole, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you you have to match the task with the ability. But, but yeah. is it important to have them go... F- partway down the rabbit hole so that he can learn from that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Always. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's part of it. That goes with their ability. But you want to be able to pull them back at the right time. Right, yeah. You got to catch them and stop them and tell them, did you read that in the repair manual? And so how many are in the lab because you're watching them do this stuff? How many do you have? Typically, average is around 15 students. At that's time. a lot. I have about 10. Okay. Do you, do you pair them up? Typically groups. Okay. Two to yeah. three to a group most all the time. Yeah, I'll, I'll assign some to a group and a toolbox. Okay. And wow. it, it depends on the class at the time, you know, who's in the class. Depend, you know, and sometimes I let them pick their own groups because they have their friends and they like working with their friends. Yeah. yeah. I think the, one of the beauties of this interview was you, uh, you dealership, then you did a Ford hotline and, uh, you know, an instructor. A little bit about your background again, uh, David? So. My dad owned a service station when I was young. Yeah. So I grew up in repair. I mean. After school, report to work. Yes. Yeah. Pretty much. After school, go to work, piddle with this, help with this, pump gas in that car, whatever, you know, was going on. And went from there through high school, went to work um, in, you know, the quick oil change places, stuff like that. Went to school at the same time. Got my associate degree. Went back out to a dealership co-oping, ended up in the dealerships and moved from two or three dealerships around into GM, spent several years in GM dealerships, 
and found that I was teaching a lot of guys stuff while I was working. Mm-hmm. The local college where I'm back at now had asked me about teaching night classes. I started teaching some night classes, got more involved with it, seeing that, you know, this is a good side to be on because I can share this information that I have. Got offers to come to work full time in the school training area. Ended up back at the college and now coordinator. And then I have um, the college there locally. And then I oversee two other high schools. One of the things that I think our industry has to wake up to, maybe that's the wrong word, but they have to realize is that our careers can go in many different places. And, you know, here it is, an OTC trainer, a technician who kind of, did you moonlight as an OTC trainer? Yes. Yeah, you see. There, Daytime technician, moonlight as a uh, perfect mm-hmm. scandal trainer. There's, there's so many opportunities, and sometimes we fail to remember where our humble beginnings were and where we could go. Being that type of trainer, when I walked into a shop to train somebody, you have to be able to figure out what their skill level is sure. when you walk in so that you can give them the information they need to what use they really that need. tool yeah. to help them the most. And I even did a class for a Spanish guy. His daughter came home from school when she was probably like 9 or 10. I had to dummy the class down so that she could translate to her father because he only oh, wow. spoke Spanish. <laughs> and mm. then went and did hands-on with him and her. He was like, can you stay for supper? And I was like, no, because I'd been on the road for two days, you know. Oh, wow. Good for you. I I, I so enjoyed this, guys. I I can't tell you how much uh, I appreciate you being here. Marty Dapowski from uh, Wayne County Community College in uh, Taylor, Michigan. Thanks for being here. Welcome. David Myers, automotive instructor, Southwestern Community College, Silva, North Carolina. Thank you. I, I could tell from your Southern uh, <laughs> thing. Yeah. Very good. Excellent. Good stories. And Dwayne McCarty, technician in Martin's Garage right here in Fort Myers. Uh, good to have you here. Great, yes. uh, great story. 62 and going strong and committed like no tomorrow. I, I've worked in the dealerships much like they did. Okay. There was one part they left out there is the politics that you have to deal oh, with. Oh, yeah. In the it's dealerships. always there. <laughs> I, I teach politics, dealership politics in my classes. Yes. In shop management class, we cover it. That, that can be difficult yeah. and it, it can deter, is I think, it, technicians it, that we have out there. Is it is it like bullying? From the manufacturers and the, sometimes yeah. the shop foremans and the, or the, the other techs. Service director uh, or service yeah. manager. There's a, there's the a best thing I could do is share... Tr- true life stories that actually happened and being there 20 years i think i've seen just about everything got it i've heard some stories guys thanks for being here man thank Thank you you. thank you thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast until next time 